The Adventure Jogger, a podcast about trail and ultra running. Meet fascinating runners from the front, middle, and back of the pack, sharing inspiring and funny stories about life and running. Running should be fun, and so should running podcasts. I'm your host, Ryan Pluckelman, and this is The Adventure Jogger. I think if we look back at 2020 and it comes to ultra running, it's going to be the year of FKTs. FKTs falling left and right FKTs on historic trails that maybe even ha- wouldn't get much attention in a regular year, but this year they're getting some attention. I love the Ozark Trail. And one of the races that I think is just criminally underrated is the Ozark Trail 100. A absolutely fantastic point-to-point 100 on the Ozark Trail. I have no idea why y'all don't sell it out Every single week, because you should sign, or every year, because it's such an amazing race, highly recommended. But the Ozark Trail is much farther than the race would let you believe. There's more to the Ozark Trail than the 90 miles uh, uh, of that race. It's 238 miles. And I have for you on this episode of The Adventure Jogger, the new FKT holder for the Ozark Trail, 238 miles. The time, three days 16 hours and 17 minutes from Springfield, Illinois, Joe Miller is on the Adventure Jogger. Welcome, Joe. Thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here. So before we get into the thrill, the excitement, the craziness that was your FKT on the Ozark Trail, let's get kind of the the Joe Miller story. Where did Joe Miller discover uh, the world of running and then the world of ultra running? Sure. Uh, you know, I was uh, in high school. I uh, I played soccer. Um, I ran track, but I wasn't one of the the serious uh, track people. I, I just did it to stay in shape for soccer. You know, um, I had a buddy of mine, and we would uh, actually like uh, run to rallies and eat cheeseburgers, and all the real runners would go into the park uh, and and do fart legs or whatever they did. And you know, we would probably smoke a couple cigarettes and then, then run back uh, what? to. <laughs> uh, to, to our track practice and acting like nothing happened. Right. Uh, we were not serious. Um, I, I wasn't a hardcore runner, uh, back then, but, um, I, I would say, you know, in high school, I, I did it. I did the mile and two mile, uh, cause I wasn't fast. Uh, or that's what the track coach told me. But, um, I, uh, I, I went to college. Uh, I actually left college, joined the army reserves, uh, in the army reserves. I found out I was pretty good at the two mile. Uh, I ran like 10 30, um, in the two mile. Yeah. I maxed out the push-ups and sit-ups. So all the drill sergeants left me alone uh, when they found out I could run and and do push-ups and and you know so that got I couldn't march but I, I could run uh, and so I actually started running after I left uh, you know my initial training with the military uh, and I got back home and uh, I started running a little bit you know did some five Ks uh, this was around 2011 2012 uh, I had a cousin. And he wanted to uh, climb a mountain. And I was like, I've never climbed a mountain before. What mountain do you want to climb? And he said, uh, the Grand Teton. And so I said, I don't know how to do that, but the mountain looks really cool. We looked it up. Uh, and we had a climbing gym uh, down the road at a, in an abandoned farm silo. And so like they hollowed it out and they put rock climbing holds all the way up it, right? And so we went there every day for like six months, nearly every day. Yeah. You know, every day they were open. 
and we taught ourselves to lead climb. We went outdoors a couple times down in Southern Illinois and I was running this entire time, not a lot, but uh, mostly climbing. And we showed up to uh, the Tetons in August of that year. And uh, we went, set out and climbed the Grand Teton uh, with like no experience, but we were on the Grand Teton on the side of the Grand Teton and there were some runners coming up it uh, and they were in shorts and a t-shirt. And I was like, that looks way better than what we were doing. We were like shivering, <laughs> like on the side of like, you know, right on the Owen Spalding ledge, like freezing. And there was like a party in front of us. And, uh, you know, they, they just said like, excuse me. Right. And they just like ran by us and then like shimmied across the ledge. Um, and then we were still on the same ledge and they came back down. And I was like, this is so much better than what we're doing with like 40 pound packs. So, uh, you know, I kind of looked into it a lot more after that. And that's kind of when I started to think that, you know, I, I don't need to carry all this gear. Um, you know, so really it was like 2012 uh, is when I started running a little bit more seriously, but I still had this like yearning to go rock climbing and, and alpinism. But as you know, uh, being a former Springfield resident, uh, it is probably literally our biggest hill here is 65 feet. Uh, so, and I know that because like I had, I, I've run that hill uh, so many times in the past eight years. Um, but so it, it's just not conducive to alpine or rock climbing. Right. Um, you know, so I, I, I gradually shifted more to running starting in around 2013, 2014. Uh, and then 2016 was uh, kind of when I decided to get more serious about my training and, uh, in 2018, I, I hired a coach, uh, and so then that I, I I would say I became a runner in 2018, uh, you know, as opposed to just rock climbing. And I have a climbing wall in my backyard; it's 15 feet tall. So oh, wow. I, I did a lot of bouldering training in. Uh, but yeah, uh, that's kind of the long, long story. I, I like to to think that those going back to high school, the seeds for your ultra running career were planted when you would run a track practice and you would go get cheeseburgers and smoke cigarettes and you didn't take running very seriously. Little did you know that junk food and running have a place to be together. It's called ultra running. I, I everyone I talk to, I tell them, uh, I don't understand why ultra running isn't the most popular sport ever. I mean, it, it basically can be like fast hiking to food stations in the woods. Yes. You know, with friends. And and it's like they have, you know, I've had bacon wrapped pierogies. You know, like there's so many things that they have at these aid stations. And it's just, it's a really great time. You're in a beautiful environment. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just, I say uh, marathons are, you know, too hard. You got to push too hard for too long. Uh, in ultras, you can't, I mean, very few people can do that. Uh, you know, uh, so it's really great. I, I, I want, I, I try to get my wife to do it. I mean, I was like, you like eating. I like eating. Like, let's go do it together. She's not an ultra marathoner, but, uh, you know, uh, she's crewed me for a lot of things. So she's been around, uh, you know, uh, all of the, the tribe that is the ultra running community. Well, for you. you know, if we break it down for a minute, Joe, I mean, you're, you're, you're paying probably to do like the Springfield marathon or the Abe Lincoln, whatever the, whatever they call the big marathon in Springfield, or did you go run yeah. the Illini marathon in Champaign? I, that was actually my first marathon. Uh, yeah. In 2012, I think. And I think I ran four hours, uh, off of like, I think my longest run before that was like 12 miles. Maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't, and, and I was like, I'll never do this again. You know, all the things that everyone, you know, has that awakening. And then I right. think I did, I did the Springfield marathon and then I did the Chicago marathon. The next year I did uh, Chicago and Springfield were a weekend apart. Yeah. 
And uh, before the Springfield, I did a, like a 25 mile run. Uh, and then the, the next weekend or 10 days later was the lakefront 50 mile uh, up in Chicago. Okay. Uh, and that's like the fastest, well, one of the fastest 50 miles. And actually, Zach Bitter, that year I ran it, ran uh, 510, I think. Oh, wow. For 50 miles. Yeah. So I got to see him like crush it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, you know, like running like sub six minute miles or six minute miles. Uh, and I'm, I'm just jogging along at 10 minute miles. So it was, it was great inspiration, you know. Right. Like a future, you know, I was like, oh, maybe someday I could get to that. Uh, Little did you, you know. know. Little did you know. Um, when yeah. you ran the Illini Marathon, did you run past? Was the route where you run past the frat houses, and they're all yep. out offering you beer and or shots? Totally. I was uh, so underprepared for that thing that I, I, I think I almost vomited just thinking about taking like a shot of <laughs> Fireball or something. Uh, <laughs> at the time, uh, afterwards, it probably would have been really great. They should end it at the frat houses, you know? Oh, totally. And you can do this thing called the, the Illini Challenge where you can do a 5K on Friday night and then you do the marathon on Saturday morning. And so when my buddies and I went out to do the Illini Marathon in Champaign, um, we decided, well, we'll do the Illini Challenge. Why not, right? And so we got out there and we're like, we're going to do this. is going to be an easy, easy 5K. This is going to be so easy. This is just going to be... Uh, you know, just chitty chat and yeah. having fun. It's going to be real. Like the pace is going to be like 10 minute miles. We're just going to joke around and then we're going to go get some pizza. So we start going and then these like little kids start talking trash to us about how slow we're moving. And I remember I looked at my buddy, my buddy Bert, and I'm like, oh, let's burn these kids down. And so yeah. we ended up running like an eight, like a 19 minute 5K the yeah. night before the marathon and he would go on to run like a, like a three ten or something the next yeah. day. And, but just, yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. If you're into road marathons, definitely um, so, worth, worth doing. But, but you think about the cost of that, right. And what yeah. you, what you pay for any road marathon, really you're like $120 um, to get the shirt and all that. But the food that you get out on that course. And I remember taking one goo and it was triberry, which is the worst flavor goo ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm two bucks into this thing, right? And then you, you just you get a T-shirt that's worth about five dollars, and you get maybe two dollars worth of Gatorade, and then you get maybe uh, like three dollar goo, and that's about it. Where sure. at an ultra, if you do a 50k, you pay like 90 bucks. You can eat 90 dollars worth of food. Oh yeah, for yeah, sure. And, and sometimes the, the like. I mean, a lot of my, the, I've been doing mostly regional races, you know, around the Midwest mm -hmm. and, and some of these races, I mean, you, you pay $90, you get a belt buckle, you get, you know, a jacket, uh, you know, a long sleeve shirt, a short, I, I've had races where I just got so much swag and I was just like, I was, you know, it was like 60 bucks and, and, you know, I, I was there drinking beers afterwards, you know, I mean, it, it I, I like the uh, the smaller scale events and, and it's much more fun for me to do it locally because there's that sense of community mm -hmm. like and, and, you know, a lot uh, like the Quad Cities. I do some running up there. The Quad Cities have a really good ultra running group. Um, the Central Illinois uh, Trail Running Alliance. It's a group of like race directors. Mm -hmm. They do a lot of like, you know, uh, familiarizing people with the local trails, you know, just North of me, that's where I actually did most of my training because Springfield's so flat Yeah, is Peoria. And I think there's 300 mile races in Peoria. Um, and yeah, it's, it's crazy. And 
so there's a lot of great trails up there. Uh, one of them, uh, the Crimea River 100 mile, has 23,000 feet of vert, um, which, which is significant. It's, sounds impossible. 23,000 feet of vert in Illinois sounds like you're hitting every single hill in Illinois. It, it's crazy, and they do it in July, so they make it even more fun. Um, so it's like sweltering. Um, you know, uh, I've never done the 100 mile there. I did the 100K and the 50K because uh, I just I don't I like cold weather running. Yeah. More than, <laughs> You know, well, I don't think people yeah. realize because uh, I think Illinois and they, they everyone thinks Illinois is Chicago. It's Chicago sure. and some farms outside of Chicago. That's what that's what Illinois is for a lot of people. Yeah. But you're in like you're central, you're cent- west central Illinois yep. is where you're at. Uh, and that that area in the summer can be just as humid and brutal and miserable as the south. Just as as awful as yeah. the summers here in Tennessee or, you know, even as far as Georgia, where you're just like, oh my God, this humidity is insane. You walk outside and you're just sweating, yeah. Right, and then where you're probably doing a lot of your long runs is cornfield country. So you're running, you know, next to these big fields of corn, and that just holds the humidity even uh, more in. Illinois running is miserable. It really is. It's, it's uh, you know, they say it's a poor man's altitude training, running in humidity, you know, but uh, it really feels like that, but... You know, it happens every year. I feel like by August, I'm like, I'm like, you could send me, you know, to the jungle and I could run a hundred miles. I'm so acclimated. And then like September comes around and it's like starting to get cold already. And I, you know, I don't even get to utilize any of my awesome, you know, like heat acclimatization uh, that I have built up. So, you know, it's, it's fleeting is, yeah. <laughs> so, so the Ozark trail. When did you become yeah. aware of this, and and when did the idea come? Like, oh, I could, I maybe maybe FKT this thing. Yeah, so I had done, uh, I had done an FKT earlier in the year. Uh, it was a Smokies Challenge adventure run. Oh, okay, um, all right. You did the scar. You okay? Yeah, scar. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did, uh, I did unsupported on the scar uh, in June, and I ran fifteen hours six minutes, and and got the unsupported FKT, and. So I had done all this like vert training on my treadmill. I have a Norda track and, you know, I was feeling very confident about running vert and, and adverse terrain. And I was, I was thinking that I was going to do Pinhoti 100 or Ozark trail 100 uh, in November. Yeah. I had done a hundred K um, the uh, Kachina Mosa hundred K out in uh, Provo, Utah in okay. August. Right. I had a lot of vert. I did. I got third place. I did very well there. Um, it was all at altitude too. And it's super hot. Yeah. Uh, it was great. But so I was thinking like, I'm going to do a hundred. I'm going to end the year on the hundred. I'm going to get my Western States, you know, uh, uh, thing and, uh, my entry. And I just wasn't motivated to run a hundred mile race. I just didn't want to compete. And, and I, I don't know. I like the unsupported nature being yeah. out there like alone with yeah. my own stuff. And so I had been running Tom Sock mountain, uh, as training for all these other mm-hmm. uh, efforts. And that's a part of the Ozark trail. It's a, it's the highest point in Missouri. It's, it's a great run. It's 12 and a half miles to the top and back. And it's got about 4k avert. It's really technical. Um, and I'd been running that and I was like, you know, maybe I should look into this. Right. And I knew that some local guys had done it, uh, local guys by St. Louis area guys yeah. had done it, uh, fast packing. And then there was a supported effort. And I noticed that there wasn't an unsupported, uh, so I started inquiring why, and and you know it it, it varies, but like ticks are probably you know it, it all depends on when the season you do <laughs> right, this, right? Because right. uh, like I was reading all these guys' trip reports, and I was like, oh man, they did it in May, 
and I hate bugs, spider, you know, like yeah. uh, there's all these, these complications when you do it uh, in, in summer or late spring. And, and down there, it's actually in a, a massive watershed area. So like it, it, you cross a lot of very large rivers. Um, and so it's prone to flash flood. Mm -hmm. um, so you really have to kind of watch the weather. Um, so, you know, I started to think like, maybe I could do this. And uh, I talked to my running coach and uh, he was like, you know, if, if you want to do it, let's, let's go all in. Um, and a couple other people, I talked to Corey Woltering. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you're familiar with him. Yeah, I know yeah. Corey. Yeah. Yeah. He's just a couple hours North. We train together all the time. And, and he's like, you got, like, why do you want to do it? And I said, like, so much stuff could go wrong. It sounds like a real adventure. You know, I'd be out there. Uh, you know, I think I could do it. Um, and so he's like, then you should do it, you know? And, uh, so I basically decided, uh, I think in like early September that I was going to just like attempt it. Uh, and, and at this time I was like unsupported. I think I can do it. You know, I, I have to get the right gear. Uh, you know, I want to, you know, start cutting off the tags of all my clothing. So I'm as light as possible, you know, uh, <laughs> cause that makes a difference. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and so, um, I started, you know, researching and I reached out to the Ozark trail association. They were so helpful, like from the get go, uh, you know, there's so many groups, uh, we run the OT, that's another great group, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people that uh, are in the area, uh, you know, they gave me a lot of advice uh, yeah. on when not to do it, when to do it, um, you know. So, yeah, I, I think that's when I decided to, to do, really, you know, focus on it. Was this after Corey had done his um, Ice Age Trail FKT or before? That was after. So I actually did, I think I probably like 170 miles with him. Uh, over a, like maybe four or five days, uh, different days. Yeah, uh, I went up there two different times. Uh, once with my wife and our dogs, uh, which was great. Uh, yeah, and yeah, just ran with him. Uh, and so I think honestly, a lot was seeing him do that and like being a part of that. Like really kind of made me want to do something a little bit longer. That was totally outside my comfort zone. Cause the longest I've ever ran was uh, I did a track twenty four hour. Um, okay. The Corn Belt Running Club I, uh, up in Iowa, and I did 117 miles in 24 hours, um, and that was the longest I've ever run. Yeah. So uh, it's it sounded like it was uh, Corey's. The, the experience with Corey really made me think that like I, I was capable of it, and I, I ran the scar. I think the same day that he finished. Um, so I, I I wasn't up there with him, uh, but I got to you know run with him for quite a bit of time. So okay. Or, did did you get any advice? Uh, from Corey about speedos and how you should have worn a speedo to try so, your FKT uh, on the Ozark. So I'm really happy that I didn't wear a speedo because it was 21 degrees when it started. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I, I was like, you know, I, I was talking to Corey about some races and stuff. I was like, hey, you should do Arrowhead in the speedo, you know, uh, you know, which is up in like northern Wisconsin, right? right. Like there, there's, there's limits, I think, to his speedo. Uh, or maybe not. I don't know. But, well, uh, yeah. and, and let's be honest. Corey can pull off the speedo. Totally. I, I'm no, I, you know, it's Joe, if you're just, just what, just throwing this out here. Okay. You're, you're running through the hills of Missouri. Cause that's what, that's how they say that there. Um, in a speedo with a little pack on you know, that, that you, you, you may not, they may not find your body. I'm just, I'm just putting that up. Hey, well, uh, you know, I did do the run during uh, rifle hunting season. It was a 10-day stretch. So maybe if the Speedo was blaze orange, I'd get a pass, you know, because I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm participating somewhat, you know, yeah, so, next year. So, so how did you, how did your coach get you to prep for something that was this much? I mean, because the scar is quite a bit less mileage-wise. 
than the sure. Ozark Trail. How did your coach get your, your your training to to a point where you felt comfortable attempting 238 miles? Yeah, so we we uh, decided to uh, you know he uh, moved uh, took a lot of the speed training out that I had been doing a lot of the workouts. Uh, I do one or two workouts a week sometimes, and so we just basically did all aerobic. So basically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday were you know uh, two to three and a half hour runs on trails um, with a pack whenever I could do it. And since you know there's not too many trail opportunities around Springfield, I would have to like drive up to Peoria. Uh, run at night, get up really early the next morning, run that morning. So I do three hours a night, three hours a morning, a lot of back to back stuff like yeah. that. And then on the weekends, I would go back down or go back up to Peoria and my wife would hike with the dogs and I would run for four or five hours. Um, and I would do it with a pack most of the time. And, and I don't think my pack went above maybe 25 pounds. Um, and then I had a couple like, you know, really just to see where I was at workouts, uh, which were, you know, between six and 10 hours of just moving, yeah. uh, running down hills. And, uh, I actually, on one of them, I, Corey showed up, uh, at like hour, like eight. Yeah. And I was like, Oh shit. Like now I'm going to have to run, <laughs> like, you know, like I was like tired. I was like, I was eating very well, but like, I was like, Oh, he's going to want to run. And like, so I, I ran a little with him and, and it was good. Uh, it was good to see him. Uh, but it was like the, the tail end of the, you know, endeavor, but, uh, like, damn it. Yeah, it Here's Wolterine. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, well, so I think, I, I think four, I had four or five weeks that were over 20 hours about of training, mm -hmm. um, with, you know, between, I think it was like, I was averaging probably like 18,000 feet of vert a week. So I, I felt very competent, very ready. Um, you know, I, I thought that I was very strong because of the pack, you know, training. Um, yeah, that was basically it. Um, I did some accessory work, you know, some abs and right. stuff and, uh, some, some biking, um, I got like a Zwift thing and a bike trainer. So, and I do outside biking, but yeah, I, I was feeling very confident, uh, you know, before I had a lot of time on my feet. So looking at this in, in your original, um, you're doing this unsupported, which means you got to carry everything you need to complete the task at hand. And the planning on that must've been a little more, cause if I, well, I, I guess it's probably a horse apiece. If you're coordinating with someone to meet you here and help you here, but you're also, if you're doing it yourself, you got to go like, where am I going to get water? Where am I, like, how am I going to do this? How, how intense was that to prep to go unsupported for 238 miles? Sure. Yeah. So the great thing is, is the Ozark trail association, their website is like super informative. They have so many uh, like topographical maps with that identify each water source, you know, and, and, pretty much like what season they will have water. So yeah. like you kind of know the areas. And what I had done was I had made a point to run the last 15 miles in an out and back. So I would be really familiar with the end. Um, and then I did the first four sections. There's eight sections of the Ozark trail mm -hmm. that I, that I ran. And I did the first four sections over the, uh, the month of training. So basically my wife would drop me off at one section and I would run that with a pack and then I'd do back-to-back, -back, like, 30-mile days. Um, so I had run the first four sections. And what I knew was that the Ozark Trail uh, 100 was the weekend before. So the, I knew that the trail was going to be, like, pristine the last 100 miles. And so, like, I was very fortunate in, like, uh, the, the trail would be, like, leaf-blown in some sections. Mm -hmm. it, it was much better maintained in, in that 100-mile stretch. So I was like, 
you know, uh, in my head, and this is, uh, things never work out this way, right? I, you have your plan and then it always goes to shit. And, right. Uh, I was like, oh yeah, you know, I'll just make it through the first four sections and then, uh, you know, be able to really open up my legs on the, the next uh, four sections because it'll be so nice. And uh, it didn't work out that way. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that was kind of the plan. Uh, and unsupported, you know, I have you ever heard of pro bars? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I used, I brought 43 pro bars. Um, and so that was like 18,000 calories. Um, and basically my, my plan, I had figured out that my, my like magic, uh, amount of time between each pro bar was about an hour and 25 minutes. Uh, and I had originally started two hours eating, you know, and training, but then an hour and 25 minutes, like clockwork, I would just eat a pro bar. Yeah. Um, basically the entire time. And that, that was a lot of weight, right? Um, uh, but- yeah, that's a hundred pounds worth of pro bars right there. Yeah, it was a, it was a lot of pro bars, but I also brought some spring energy. But you know, the funny thing is, is is and this was a lesson learned is that you know I I think I got nervous a little bit before, so I kept like adding a little bit more food than I had originally planned in the pack, and then I I got really nervous about all the water crossings because you know there's probably uh, you know over twenty water crossings that that will go above your ankle, and I had these really nice like Gore-Tex boots uh, or trail running shoes, yeah. right, um, that were above the ankle. But what I found out was that if they get submerged, it's like, you know, a waterlogged shoe, you know? And, and so I was like, I'm going to get trench foot. Uh, so I, I to, to, to figure that out or solve that problem, I bought these, uh, motorcyclists, uh, like gators that like come up to your knees that, that motorcyclists wear. Okay. Um, and I ordered them like a week before and they say never to try anything new during a, you know, and, and I got them and they were like a, a pound and a half each. So that added like three pounds to my pack. And so I just kept like adding things. And before I knew it, like the pack was 33 and a half pounds, maybe a little bit more. And uh, I hadn't trained with anything that much. Uh, Wow. 20 pounds in training. And now it's almost double when you're you're getting to the starting line. Did you get the the motorcycle gators with the flames on them in the Harley skull? I wish. You know, uh, no, actually, I don't uh, wish that because that probably would have added more weight. Uh, (laughs) They were were heavy enough, uh, but they worked to perfection. Uh, My feet stayed dry the entire time. So um, it was phenomenal. Uh, And yeah, but um, yeah, so that was a lesson learned. Now that you've put that out there, people are going to be rushing to motorcycle uh apparel places and going like do you have some gators that come up yeah, yeah, yeah. to like the knee and they're gonna be all they, sold they can, out they can buy mine if they want <laughs> right? <I> mean, <laughs> <laughs> you can have joe's um but it's yeah. gonna be all sold out and all these these poor lawyers that are going through their midlife crises and they yeah. buy the harley and they want to get all the gear they won't be able to get those because they'll be sold out by ultra runners they'll be buying all yeah of exactly <laughs> well i think there's a, there's there's a if someone wants to make a product, they could make a super lightweight version of that. Uh, that would be, uh, you know, uh, yeah. But, yeah. Could be a million dollar idea, Joe. Yeah. 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 It, it's kind of like a, a niche, uh, you know, like uh, very small, but yeah, within our community, I think that would be popular. <laughs> so let's go to the start. All right. Yeah. So did you run uh, North to South? Yeah, I went uh, north to south. Yeah. Okay. So, so uh, it starts at this uh, eleven point area, eleven point uh, scenic river, um, and you know, honestly, we camped near the start. My buddy drove from Chicago. Uh, he's done, you know, a bunch of ultras too. He's, he's, you know, he kind of knew the lay of the land. His intent was to be there for like, you know, one or two days, just 
kind of go and take some photos and, and, you know, make sure that I got off to a good start. Um, and so he dropped me off and it was like, I was like, I want to start at four in the morning and we get up, you know, uh, I eat, a, I take in a bunch of calories and, and we get to the start and it's like 20 degrees. And I was like, I don't want to get out of the car. <laughs> and I was like, I don't have to, this isn't a race. Right. This isn't FKT. I can start whenever I want. Right. Uh, so it, it was kind of nice. Like I was like, I'm just gonna wait till the sun comes up. And, uh, so that's what I did. And, uh, I left at, I think 652, uh, is when I left. And I honestly, uh, part of the, part of the thing was, is that I took off a little faster because I was so cold. I wanted to get the heart rate up, you know? Uh, and so I think that kind of, uh, made me push a little harder than I intended to, according to my plan. Um, I was looking at about eight hours a section, um, was my, my tentative plan. Yeah. Um, and so I, I get through uh, the 11 point section in eight hours and 15 minutes. So I'm thinking, oh, this is, you know, I'm perfect. I ran a lot more than I thought I should have probably, but I was still feeling very strong. Uh, I saw Zach, he took a couple photos of me running by. Um, I said, I'm feeling great. You know, everything's going good. Yeah. The pack's a little heavy, you know, it probably could be lighter. He's like, just keep eating, keep drinking. I was like, yeah, I know. And so I just kept going um, into the between the river section, which I knew there wasn't a lot of water in this section. Mm -hmm. So I had filled up at a stream like a mile before I saw Zach, right? Uh, filled up. I had a three liter uh, bladder, filled yeah. it up, uh, was running, uh, you know, maybe 10 miles into between the rivers or so. Um, I stepped over this like down tree and kind of twisted my knee. And uh, I was like, oh, that kind of hurt. Uh, no pop, nothing. Uh, but then like five miles later, it was like my knee was a problem. I, all of these things started coming mentally. I started just breaking down. Yeah. Like, and this was around probably like 42, 45 miles into it. And it, it was dark. Now I had my headlamp out. I missed, uh, I didn't fill up water at, at the Creek that I was supposed to. I just kept going. And so I didn't see any water. I kept getting lost. There was all these things that were just negative happening. Uh, I kept losing the trail. All the leaves were covering everything. You know, I, I was having to go up the sides of Hills and, it was just a, a very long section. And truth be told that the entire first 60 miles took 19 hours. Um, yeah. So uh, that section took like 11 hours, 30 yeah. minutes. And, uh, you know, Zach was at the trailhead. Uh, it was a the highway. You go underneath the highway and, and he hiked in like a mile and he's like, Hey, are you okay? I was like, no, he's like, I, I was like, I'm going to quit. Like my back hurts. My planter like was hurting. I had like all this shin, random shin pain. Uh, my knee hurt, you know, I was just like complaining and I was like, I haven't drank water in like five hours. Um, I ran out of water and, and he was like, you know, this isn't a big deal. Like you should just continue on. And I'd like sat down against this tree and I was just like, it was like three in the morning and I'll, or four in the morning. And I was just like, I know I can't, I was like, I, I got to drink some water. Cause I knew that the next water source was like three miles that way. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to hike three more miles. So that's when I drank some water and it became supported after that. Um, but yeah, uh, I intended to quit in my mind. Right. So he's like, take a nap. I slept in my zero degree sleeping bag on the ground outside of his, his Subaru. He slept inside of a Subaru. Yeah. And then I woke up the next morning. I was like, I'm going to quit. My wife was like, uh, she called me. She's like, you shouldn't quit. You should keep going. Zach said you should keep going. I ended up keep going. Uh, so I, I got back out on the trail. I was two to one. I was outnumbered. Uh, I did it reluctantly with like a 15 pound pack now. And so I was hiking. And all of a sudden, like I could start running again. This was like three to five miles into the, the third section. Yeah. And uh, I basically ran the rest of the section. Um, yeah. Oh, wow. And all the, all the things that were problematic 
started to go away as I moved through the current river section. Uh, so which was did you know in your mind, because uh, I know you said you wanted to start out unsupported. There was no unsupported FKT, so you could have you know walked backwards the rest of the way and, and you would have got the, an FKT. Did you yeah. know at that point what the supported time was? I did because uh, I had read uh, Rick's trip report and uh, it was super thorough. Uh, and uh, I, I did know that it was uh, four days, 11 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kind of, and that was what Zach was saying. He's like, Hey, you know, he's like, I'm willing to stay down here as long as it takes to get you to the end of this. And I was like, you know, I really appreciate that. My friend, you know, like that's really kind of you. Uh, but like I, in my mind, like I had, I, at the time, right. I was like, I failed. Uh, I'm yeah. a failure. I'm embarrassed. All of these things, like all these emotional responses were going through my head. And I was just like, no, there's no way I could do the supported. I'm too broke. Right. Like the pack just broke me. Um, and th- that's what I was thinking. I was just in this horrible space and they kept saying like, you know, just get out there. Maybe, maybe we'll be better. You know, you just need to, you know, get in the daylight. And, and something else that was kind of messing with me was, uh, you know, it was hunting season. So you're hearing all these rifle rounds go off and, and some closer than others. And you'd see a deer and you'd be like, hey, deer, get out of here. You know, like, <laughs> um, so, so like I wasn't really looking forward to going back out into that, you know, but all the hunters or the vast majority of them were very nice. And, and yeah, we, we they were kind and everything. But uh, so that was playing into it, too, on why I didn't want to go back out, I think, because uh, I was I hadn't run through that much uh, hunting ter- territory before. Yeah during rifle season, right? I've done things in bow, but um, yeah. So all those things played into that uh, moment of weakness. How did you make the mental shift? Because you sounded like when you saw your buddy um, that you were defeated mentally, you had made up your mind. uh, You were five hours without water and you were like, okay, this is done. How did you change the mindset from I'm defeated to wait a minute, there's, there's, there's another chance at this. Yeah. So, so I think I've, I, something like this similar happened during uh, the track 24 hour. I, I walked off the track. I was like, I got to stop. My wife was basically like, you came here to run, you know, it was like a little mini pep talk and I had a little pity party and I ended up going back out there. Right. And, and so I kind of was thinking about that, right. Like maybe I'll just go back out there. I'll walk the next section, you know, as long as it takes. And, and I can still, I can still quit at the end of that next section. Right. Right. Um, and, and I used to have this kind of like philosophy, you know, have you ever heard of the myth of Sisyphus? No, I, you know, I may have learned it in high school, but why don't you give us the refresher course uh, yeah, for everyone? So, so basically Sisyphus is, is condemned to roll the boulder up the mountain, you know, indefinitely for all eternity. Right. Okay. And there was this philosopher that said, we must imagine Sisyphus to be happy because to be doing that, because if we can't, then, then like, then he should just like end it. Right. Like, uh, and so I, I think about that, like, I'm like, okay, I have, the only thing that I can control right now is, is my uh, ability to, you know, look for the positive here and, and yeah. tell myself that this is the way it's going to be. I might as well choose to be happy to be out here. So I, I, I did that battle in my head uh, when I went back out there uh, in the current river section. Um, and I thought about that a lot. Um, it's, it's a famous essay by Albert Camus. Uh, I like it a lot, but so I was thinking about that, but I, I still wanted to quit. Uh, I'm no joke when I, when I went back out there, but I was shoving pro bars in, you know, like I, according to my plan and uh, drinking water and uh, yeah. And eventually I just started running and uh, this, the, the current river section is uh, I had to do this bypass mm-hmm. and the bypass is uh, there's a, a elk herd in Missouri that, yeah, they're trying to bring back elk to Missouri uh, because there, there used to be elk until they went extinct in the 1800s and, 
Yeah. You have to do this bypass around this huge uh, Peck Ranch area. And I had done it the weekend before and it was a shit show. I kept like, it, it's just like you run off trail and the trail isn't as well defined. And I kept falling and it was like 75 degrees. And I was kind of dreading that too. Like before I started the current river, I got to that section. I come out of this little hedgerow and there's this huge field and there's this massive elk just standing there. And uh, I looked at him and he looked at me and then like, he just like went back to eating the grass and then I just like went back to running. And then like, I was like, that was really cool. And then honestly it wasn't as bad as last weekend. So like all of the things that were like bad last weekend and, you know, earlier in this first 60, 70 miles uh, had just gone away. And I, I started to uh, really enjoy, uh, I had a Sawyer squeeze too, uh, which was my water filter. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a bunch of water in the current river section. I didn't have to worry about going without water. I knew where all the water spots were. So I was, I, I just became much more confident uh, after current river um, that I could do it. Um, even supported, you know, mm -hmm. when did you know that, this was a real possibility of actually finishing. So I, uh, I think that it was actually in the current river when I, when I realized that I could run, I was like, I'm not going to stop. Uh, you know, I, I kind of told my friend before, like one of my close friends before that, you know, like unless something like really bad happens, I probably will just walk it in. Even if I don't get the FKT, cause it's just such an experience. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, and it's hard though, cause you're in it and you, you say all these things before, and, and then you, it's, it's, you know, all the emotions of it, but, you know, so I, I think at the current river section is when I decided that like, you know, assuming, uh, it doesn't like downpour and something gets so flooded that you know, it's dangerous to cross or something. I think I can do this. Um, and I didn't know that I could do it within the FKT. Right. Right. Um, at this point I was still like, you know, look, I, I think I can run. I'm enjoying the running. Let me, let me keep running, you know, uh, type of thing. How far this, how, how well this can last. And uh, the next section was Blair Creek. And uh, my plan was I finished, uh, I crossed the current river. We went to this campground. Uh, I slept, Zach had made a fire. Uh, my aunt, my two aunts had driven down at this point. They were, they were gonna be in the, the area just in case anything went wrong. Yeah. And since it became a de facto supported endeavor, that, you know, they showed up and they were helping me eat and take care of my feet. And I slept in the sleeping bag next to the fire. I woke up and like just drenched. Like, cause it was a zero degree sleeping bag. Like, right. I was so stoked. I took a two hour nap from like, I think it was like four to 6 PM. And then I went back out into the night in the Blair Creek section. And this section, uh, it got really cold. Uh, it was, it was pretty difficult. Uh, cause I rolled both my ankles in this section at different times. Yeah. Um, my glasses fogged up. I thought I saw a bear. Turns out there's just feral pigs um <laughs> like huge feral pigs like how foggy were your glasses in the woods. joe how foggy uh, yeah, were like, your glasses you're like is that a bear or a pig i can't tell they were grunting and i like looked up and my glasses are fogging up and you know like i have my headlamp and i'm hungry and cold and uh thankfully they were you know feral pigs but uh this section was pretty just draining because a lot of leaf cover i felt like i was post holing through the leaves at yeah. certain points they were so high um i ended up finishing it in a pretty solid time it was like eight hours and i got to the car and i knocked on the subaru window and my buddy was sleeping in the back and it was like i think 4 30 in the morning and i was like my the, the original plan was just to keep going yeah and i was like i can't i i you know i rolled my ankles i got to get in here i got in there uh, I slept in the front seat, like curled up uh, for like 30, 40 minutes, uh, ate a bunch of food and then went out to the next section um, it, at first light. So uh, that was, yeah.
How do you like? Well, I've always wondered with these long FKTs. I mean, you're in this thing for three days and sixteen hours, and and looking at two hundred and thirty-eight miles. How do you you broke it up into sections? But yeah. how did it not get overwhelming when you hit those early sections and, and and things aren't going quite your way? How did you not allow the the length, the gravity of of what you're trying to do overwhelm you when it was not going so well early on? Yeah, so I I, I really tried to uh, I did some step counting uh, in that that second section uh, where I would I, I was like I'm going to walk for ten steps and then I'm going to try to run for two minutes right yeah and then ten minutes later you know so I tried to break it up like that uh, in that really difficult second section but honestly like the what I do is I think about it in, in sections, right? So current river is 34 miles. So right. I was like, okay, I've run 34 miles countless times. Right. Right. And then as I look at my watch, it, it's getting lower and lower and I'm like, okay, I've run eight miles. How many times have I run eight miles? So many times, like I can do eight miles, even if I'm not doing it that fast. Like, and so I kind of, and I also kind of kept uh, track on my watch. I was trying to keep the miles under 20 minute miles, uh, whatever I could do to keep it under 20 minute miles, you know, jog here and there, um, you know, and, and the sections that I could run, you just run. Right. Uh, like, and my friend, uh, I remember in the next section, it was called the car Uh, I, I, my, my Garmin clicked off like an eight minute mile. And I was like, I was like, that's probably not a good thing to be doing right now. <laughs> right. Like the middle of this, right. you know, um, but it felt good. So I was like, screw it. You know, I mean, like I came here to run this thing. Let me run it. Um, yeah. And, you know, so I had a, a, some really solid miles there in that next section. It was in the daylight. It was mostly clear. That's the first section of the OT 100. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it felt like smooth, silky, uh, you know, like single track right. compared to what I had been, you know, running through with all the leaves. And, and um, those first four sections are much more wild than than the next four sections. There's The population is, is much higher, uh, you know, a lot more people than those other. Right. Upcoming. All right. The end. How, how, when did it, what, you know, you've got that final section and how far was the final section? Yeah. So the final section was 48 miles. Um, and I think, uh, there was, um, I think I saw my crew maybe twice. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, up to that point, it was about every 30 miles I saw someone. So, you know, most of my water, I, I, I would say like 95% of the water was pulled from the, the streams and creeks and, of the area, um, which is crystal clear water. It was, yeah. it was great. Um, it was delicious. So the last uh, 48 miles, I, that ankle that I had rolled, it was a high ankle sprain. So mm-hmm. it was above the ankle. So it looked pretty gnarly. Yeah. Um, and what I did was my friends, uh, my wife came down at the, the, I think the last night and her friend who's a nurse, she taped it up for me and I popped a couple ibuprofens, which I actually never use during races. Yeah. Um, I, I popped a couple of those and I took a nap for like three hours before this last section and uh, woke up and I, I felt way better. Uh, the, the swelling went down. So I, I asked her, I said, hey, am I going to do damage to this long term? And she said, no. And so I said, great, I'm going to just push it as hard as I can. And I think I finished the last 48 miles in like uh, around 14 hours. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So it was a pretty solid final push. Uh, the difficulty was my headlamp battery died uh, with three miles to go. And so it was at night and, uh, I was just basically stomping through the woods, um, uh, running into trees and shit, uh, for, <laughs> I, I was still averaging like 25 minute miles, but my, my headlamp went out and my backup rechargeable headlamp went out. And then I had a backup of my backup 
which I had taken out of my pack to lose weight. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, uh, that was fun. Uh, it was a fitting end to the uh, entire endeavor. It was a comedy of errors, Joe. It's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was uh, learning experience, and it really sounds like had you have different if had you have different people with you, you know, like like people who were not ultra runners or your wife who'd seen you in situations like that before, you would have been like, ah, I want to quit, and they'd have been like, okay, or totally. or yeah. I, I rolled my ankle, am I going to do damage? Oh, I don't know. You could, and then you, you're out. So you kind of you kind of picked a good crowd of people to be to be around. And that was the thing. It, it really became a, uh, like, just because it became an ad hoc supported endeavor, like, none of these people, like, knew that were with me, you know, my aunts or my friend Zach or, or Valerie or her friend Shauna, none of them had been really down there that extensively before, yeah. right? And there's no cell service, really. And, and so, like, it was kind of an adventure for them, you know, and, and but they've all had experience with ultras. And so, yeah, I was very fortunate in that. And uh, I think I learned so many lessons, positive lessons from that. So, um, and I owe Zach, I told Zach already that, you know, you pick up to five days, whatever you want to do. And I'll crew. I'll, I'll do whatever yeah. you want, right? So uh, <laughs> I, I, it's an, I owe you, uh, you to Zach. Yes, you do owe him yeah. some days. That's for exactly. sure. <laughs> yeah. So, did you know that last section? Did you do the math, and did you know at that point that the FKT, the supported FKT, was in play? Yeah. So I had been uh, each section. I had been clicking off a little bit faster than than what I had anticipated mm-hmm. at this point because. Once I lowered the pack weight, I, I could run most of, uh, you know, the final three or four sections. Um, so I knew that it was well within, uh, assuming nothing like, you know, structurally went wrong with my body that I could, I could get it. Um, and, you know, so, but I still ran uh, a lot of it, but, you know, I wish I would have done uh, the OT 100 first. Yeah. Um, you know, I would have had a lot more familiarity with that last, uh, I, there's these, this climbs called the three sisters and they're just three, like two, 300 foot, uh, climbs. And I, I did these three successive climbs and I thought they were the three sisters, but they weren't. So I had pushed them and, uh, little did I know I still had like 10 miles to go to, to see my crew. And, uh, yeah, so that was just little errors like that. But, you know, at that point I was just like, screw it. Like you just got to push. Um, and I started caffeinating. I took, um, speed nuts, uh, from oh, yeah. spring. Yeah. 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 And it's like, you know, I had like, I think 300 milligrams of caffeine in me. I was wired. I was all geeked out on caffeine. And, you know, so I, I honestly, at the end there, I could have probably kept going, uh, for like another, like at least an hour or two before I would have crashed. Um, you know, cause I had taken it. So You're bouncing time. off the walls. <laughs> yeah, it was great. Uh, great end. What was the yeah. ending like? So you've got these three days, 16 hours, 17 minutes of this battle of pushing this boulder up the hill and we all know that like at the end of a race there's a finish line there's somebody playing music or announcing like ladies and gentlemen here he comes from springfield illinois joe miller and you you go and people cheer and that sort of thing um but when you're out there just doing your own thing what was the ending like for the fkt on the on the ozark trail it was pretty anticlimactic uh minus the fact that you know my headlamp had died so um, you know, I, I was marching through the woods and nobody and, knew you uh, were coming. They're like, I, I don't know when Joe's going to be here. Yeah. And I, you know, I was using my trekking poles to find the trail kind of and not really finding it very yeah. well, you know, but, 
I, I ended up, they, they had been walking up the trail. And since I had done this section, I kind of knew after a certain point, like where to go, but I saw a headlamp. So I ran towards the headlamps and it turns out it was Zach and, and Valerie and Shauna. And so we, we basically, uh, it was fitting. Uh, we walked or jogged out the last half mile together and there's just a sign. And, uh, it doesn't even say like, Oh, is our trail ends here or anything. It's just a, just a nice little sign. And, and we all hugged each other and basically took turns getting photos with the sign. And then uh, my wife had to work the next day, so uh, it was 11 p.m. And uh, you know, so we we just all piled back into the car and drove, uh, you know, like six hours, uh, you know, to to Springfield. Well, how does that feel? I mean, you you you, you do this monumental task, right? And it, you've now got the FKT, and you you take the pictures, and you, you you hug, and you have that, and then you're in the car, and and you're driving away from this epic adventure. Did it all kind of hit you at some point? I was still so amped up from the caffeine. I was just like talking and I like, I think I was even bringing up, like, I was like, we should totally do like this other, we should through hike this next, you know, like I'm just like coming up with all kinds of dumb stuff. I'm like, Oh, let's do superior hiking trail next. Let's do this. You know? And everybody's like, what we haven't even, we just got done with this, you know? And I'm just like, I'm just going. And, and my dogs, I have two rescue like Vishlas and we have like a little hammock and I was laying in the hammock with two of them, like one snuggled up on my neck. And, you know, so like, I was like super comfortable in the back, just like talking about what's next. And they were just like over me at this point. But I, I, I talked myself into, uh, into sleep basically. And I, I, I fell asleep and I woke up and I was in our garage. Um, I yeah. had no idea. Like I just like basically blacked out. Uh, and yeah, so I, we dropped her friend off in St. Louis. I don't even remember that. Um, you know, but yeah, so, uh, that it was kind of weird. The preceding days I kept waking up at different points in the night thinking that I needed to like get back out there, go do something. Yeah. And, uh, so that was kind of like weird for a couple of days that occurred. Um, you know, cause I kept just waking up and going and, um, but you know, in the preceding days, it was just, it was kind of overwhelming. Cause I, I raised, I, I tried to raise uh, $7,500 for food and water watch. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I had a lot of that and a lot of people were reaching out to me because of that. And there was just, a, it was overwhelming, right. Because like of social media, you know, it's like, yeah, you don't have all the lights and, and camera of the, the finish, but like a lot of people were following and like a lot of kind messages of support and like encouragement and like so I'm, I'm looking at those because I didn't have service for three right. days and you know like that, that's really I spent a lot of time trying to reach out to the people that that supported this endeavor and supported Food and Water Watch um, you know because uh, that was pretty pretty neat that I got to be a part of that. Well, talk about Food and Water Watch for a second. What what does the organization do and why was it important to raise money during your FKT? Yeah, so they, they do a lot of work in, in, in uh, different uh, environmental causes. Uh, they started out as, uh, you know, opposing fracking uh, in the Northeast um, yeah. a lot. Um, but, you know, in Illinois, they focused uh, recently on ending uh, water shutoffs. Um, you know, they, they want to end water shutoffs during the pandemic. Because, I mean, you know, there's just uh, if people don't have enough things to worry about during this pandemic, it's like, and I have to pay my water bill. I'm late on my water bill. You know, they're going to shut off my water. Water should be, it's a human right. Like everyone should have access to water. I mean, uh, and, and the part of the, what I was telling food and water watch is like, I'm going to be running down here. I'm going to drink from all the streams, you know, it's free, clean water. You know, I have yeah. all the water I need. Right. Um, and so, but they've been really active, uh, in, in multiple campaigns against, uh, hydraulic fracturing and, and, um, you know, a lot of uh, environmental issues um, that I think are really important. Um, 
and, and there's a chapter up in Chicago. Um, so I, I, I got to meet some of those people and, and talk about what they do. Um, but yeah, I, I got this cool hat. Um, it's a pretty sweet hat. hat. Uh, you can't yeah. see it folks cause it's audio, but I'm gonna tell you, Joe's hat's pretty sweet. no it is what what a great cause though and you think about the fact that right not everybody has access to clean water um you know and 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 especially with the pandemic and shutoffs i I always thought as a kid right like yeah you know you, you you pay your you miss your bill they give you like 30 days and whatever no nowadays your bill's five days late to shut off your water and it's 100 bucks to get it turned back on yeah. And, and sometimes there's interest accrual and, and, you know, I, I mean, it's so, yeah, it's just, I think that getting uh, supporting organizations like this that are doing things at like that level, that granule, like uh, grassroots level. I mean, they've been working in different States to get state legislatures and, and governor's offices to enact moratoriums. You know, all of those things are, are really important to, to get, you know, and especially I kind of did this like right near the election. Right. Yeah. So like I had this like little email list of friends and family and I sent it out and said, OK, the election's done. Now it's more important than ever to support organizations like Food and Water Watch who are pushing, you know, the, the people that we just voted in to do things right, right. Uh, that we want them to do. So I, I think that that's an important you know, aspect of this is that you got to keep the pressure up. Um, you know, on our elected officials or, or, you know, they become complacent like all of us. Right. We become complacent and, and don't, you know, necessarily make the right decisions all the time. But. It's kind of good. It's, it's, it's awesome to kind of go outside yourself because, you know, I've talked before on the podcast that what we do for fun can be a very selfish thing, a very self-centered thing. Like, oh, it's all about me. Look at what I'm doing. And, yeah. you know, please, why don't you drop everything you're doing for five days and help me get this FKT, which is really just internet points. Totally. Yeah. It's like, oh, my ultra sign. Oh, it actually doesn't even count on ultra sign up. No. You know, my Shravas <laughs> looks really cool or whatever, you know? Uh, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And, and that was something I kind of battled with there for a while, you know, doing, uh, you know, a lot of uh, these ultras, like, it's, it's, it is a lot about like your individual ego. And, and, and I still think I love racing and it's so much fun. And like, I love towing the line and like all that. It's great. But uh, it was, it was very rewarding to be able to, to link up with an organization that I that actually like, you know, wanted to support and, and, you know, got to raise some good amount of money for them. So, yeah. Well, what's next for you, Joe? So I signed up for uh, Canyons 100 K. Um, nice. There was, uh, four spots left, and I got. Uh, I pulled the trigger. Uh, I, I mentioned something to the wife, uh, to my wife, and uh, and then I just kind of did it. And she was like, "What's that charge on her credit card?" I was like, "Oh, that's Canyon's 100K." <laughs> um, she's like, "It's a familiar, uh, you know, site is the Ultra Sign Up, uh, you know." But uh, so I, uh, yeah, I'm going to train for that, and and you know, I think I'm going to try to you know race for uh, a golden ticket. I don't know if that's possible, but um, yeah, we'll see what happens. Well, have you gotten any other um, tertiary running podcasts reaching out to you for for interviews? Because you've got kind of a high profile right now, Joe. You might as well take advantage of it. Yeah, I, I had a, a guy from Springfield that has a podcast locally. Uh, he reached out. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'll probably do that after the uh, holidays. I actually am in quarantine right now uh, but because uh, my uh, wife tested positive for COVID. So um, we were just hanging out at uh, Oh uh, man. The next so, so there's no in-person uh, podcast interviews uh, coming up. Oh, but, uh, is she all right? Yes, she's she's doing a lot better, and and uh, you know, uh, 
yeah. And I tested negative, so I don't, I don't know what that means, but um, yeah. Well, so. it means, first of all, it means no hanky panky. And secondly, <laughs> it means you got to take care of her for the next 14 days. She waited on you hand and foot for all those, those hours in the Ozark trail. Now it's payback time, buddy. Totally. And, and also with, you know, all the other races that I've done, you know, uh, she, she likes to joke, you know, uh, we got married last year and she was like, you know, people ask me, uh, you know, about Joe's running and do you run and all this stuff. She's like, you know, when Joe met me, he said he liked to run. And I didn't know what that meant. Like, <laughs> you know, like some people like to run, you know, but like what you're doing is, you know, uh, it's a little bit much. I, I think I've done like 22 ultras in the past, like three or four years. So it's, a lot uh, in a little amount of time. Yeah. Um, she should yeah. want for nothing during her quarantine. That is very true. You know, right now she's probably been like, like ringing the bell. She has a little bell by the bedside when she's wanting something, but you're busy jibber jabbering about running on a podcast. Totally. I, well, she, she, yeah, she's watching the dogs or they're, <laughs> they would be here uh, interfering with this interview. <laughs> <laughs> they are pretty crazy. So. so Joe and I talked off, off the year before we started uh, recording that, you know, I, I lived in Springfield for a couple of years, worked at a radio station uh, there in Springfield. I did afternoons on 103.7 WDBR 20 years ago. And um, I wanted to kind of end the podcast on this. First of all, congratulations, Joe. Uh, it was an impressive uh, feat. Great story. Uh, I wish you the best of luck. I, I think, you know, 2021 looks like it's going to be an awesome year for you once you get out of quarantine. So go ahead and crush it. I, I'm excited for you. But I wanted to leave you with this story. And this is when I first moved to Springfield uh, you know, 20-some years ago. You know where the, the Abe Lincoln uh, Memorial is, right? Yeah, with the nose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you, you go out there, and then you, you, you rub the nose. Yep. And then um, you can actually go into his his tomb, his memorial yep. tomb. And it's like it's like a circle, right? You walk in, and then you walk around this corridor to get to where Lincoln is buried, and then you walk your way out. So... This is my first day in Springfield, and you, you got to go do this. And you, you, I rubbed Abe Lincoln's nose. And as I'm walking, as I'm walking through, I'm walking through to go to see where Abe Lincoln is buried. I'm walking down the hallway, and what do I see? Two teenagers making out in Lincoln's tomb. <laughs> They'll never forget that moment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, what? What? Is, what in the heck is going on here? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. It's teenagers. I mean, you got more than you paid for. Uh, that's for sure. That's uh, <laughs> very true. Joe Miller from Springfield. Thank you so much, sir, for coming on the Adventure Jogger. Thanks, Ryan. Thanks, Ryan. We are 100% listener supported. You can make a monthly pledge on our Patreon page. Just search the Adventure Jogger on Patreon or go to theadventurejogger.com. Join the community on Facebook and Instagram by searching The Adventure Jogger. And subscribe to The Adventure Jogger wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss a single episode. 